So I always see myself as a founder. I always see myself as a coach. I used to handle HR at Urban Ladder and it was the first time I actually handled so many people. In Urban Ladder there were 1200 people. Uh so I see myself as a coach to people. Uh now just that the person might be a founder, the person might be developing careers and I am super interested in developing careers of people, right? Uh and I see myself today as an investor too because If you extend coaching and if you really are betting on a person you bet on that person with capital and that's what an investor does right Hi welcome to Forbes India's Startup Fridays which as you know is a weekly conversation with accomplished entrepreneurs VC investors and other folk doing significant work in India's startup ecosystem You can find a new episode every Friday evening you can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning I'm Hariyarakli and my guest today is Rajiv Srivatsa partner and investor at Antler India. Rajiv has a degree in naval architecture engineering from the Indian Institute of Technology Madras and an MBA from the Indian Institute of Management Bangalore. He started out as a software engineer at Infosys more than 20 years ago. Later he was a senior product manager at Yahoo where he won the company's highest recognition of Yahoo Superstar for his role in developing the Yahoo Cricket product. In 2012 Rajiv co-founded Urban Ladder to sell great furniture online and brought a lot of product innovation to that experience. In June 2020 Rajiv joined Antler, a Singapore-based multinational VC firm focused on the next generation of technology-led startups. He's co-leading the firm's operations in India and Antler has already invested in a few startups here. Rajiv is also a podcaster in his own right and you can listen to his practical advice on getting more out of your life and work. on his podcast called One Life Theory. Rajiv, fantastic to have you with us this morning. Thank you so much for making time for this. Thank you Hari for having me and thank you for the massive introduction. It <laughs> felt like reliving the last 22 years. So thanks. Yeah, in fact, uh, let's kind of extend that idea a little bit more. I mean, uh, tell us a bit more. Give us a slightly bigger snapshot of uh, you know the path that led to antler uh, from being a software engineer what got you thinking about being an entrepreneur and then urban ladder and uh, antler and what got you thinking about an investor long journey i know but maybe you can give us a 2 minute snapshot i don't think any of this was uh, so uh, planned so much in ahead i think uh, that i would be in the technology industry was probably a given given i was quite a nerd 22 years back i mean i started actually coding in 1994 which is almost 30 years back when the computer was just you know starting and you know when i just saw this whole hello world uh, appearing on the screen it just gave me a huge kick mm. and i i just loved coding i just loved computers did that for quite a bit starting from my 10th standard you know all the way to 12th and to iit and uh, you know after iit it was just uh, normal that i would get into a software job just that at that time infosys was the dream job there were no startups there were no product companies but uh, two years in infosys was pretty fantastic because learned a lot on culture and just uh, you know being part of something which was so recent so new at that time right and uh, then went on to do an mba uh, you know it was sort of uh, a known or a given at that time at least that if you have an iit and an iim degree and today uh, i am not the one for brands but at least 20 years back it was just you know sort of de facto um uh, i think that's sort of what changed my career from being a software engineer to go on the product and business side right because post mba you don't end up coding i i still regret stopping coding at that time i i coded the entire intranet of iimb which which lasted for 15 20 years 
but I think that whole thread of entrepreneurship for me started probably in around IIT and IIM because what I did was I created a lot of things from nothing. In IIT, I actually created a, a replica of Carmen Sandiego. I don't know if you've ever played the game, Hari, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, it's a popular Netflix series today for kids. But uh, there was this game yeah, where you had to you know find uh, this uh, thief who goes from city to city across the world uh, based on clues. And I sort of coded an entire Indian version of it. Uh, and actually people in, in campus used to play that a lot. And, you know, I just loved getting people to engage with what I created. I did that with Infosys too. I had the largest website inside Infosys, the whole of Infosys uh, for two years that had a lot of music and downloads and, you know, people every day, uh, you know, today that the term that people use is daily active users. I actually got 300 daily active users out of 2000 people coming every day to my website inside Infosys every single day of when I was an Infosys. So I think for me, just the joy of creation, the joy of creating something where people would come and sort of be engaged and the joy of just creating that impact and legacy was always there right from that time, right? Then went to IMB, went to Cognizant for four years, the enterprise world, learned a lot of things, worked with some really great people. But I also realized that the enterprise world was not for me and moved to Yahoo, which is when I really got the first flavor of consumer internet and product management, which is very different from enterprise product management. For me today as an investor, it just helps that I have both enterprise and consumer experience. After Yahoo, I think it was, uh, there's a time in a corporate life when uh, you start making more presentations than products. And that's the time that you realize that, no, it's time that you need to do something else. And uh, that's what happened. Uh, 2012 uh, got to be a founder. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I have to be grateful that I had my batchmate from IMB who was also wanting to start up at the same time. And then we just, you know, uh, made sure that the timing was brilliant and uh, we took on something which... I don't think at that time anyone thought that you could sell furniture online uh, and I don't think anyone thought that we could sell furniture online but I think it just worked out you know a lot of things worked out one after the other and at the end of it coming back to your original question of you know that whole shift from founder to investor I don't think it was also planned right because I think I sort of took on and even doing a startup for example after Yahoo the natural thought I was actually interviewing with Flipkart with Sachin and Bini and uh, Vibhav and uh, I was you know very close to making the decision and then suddenly something stuck that okay I have this guy that I know for 10 years who's also moving out why go join a startup why not do a startup right so somewhere I think I sort of you know literally jumped one hoop and uh, today if you were to ask me you know 2020 what was sort of that that drove me actually funnily when I left Urban Ladder I actually said anything is okay I will not be an investor I said 40 to 50 is not the time to be an investor. Let me actually go build something or join someone or do anything other than investing. Funnily, as serendipity or luck would have it, I think I just realized over the six months that it was sort of, uh, it was something that uh, I was super passionate about, which was creating something from scratch. And Antler was, a you know, it just happened out of the blue, right? I was talking to the Antler folks just a, a week around before lockdown. And uh, what happened was, uh, you know, I don't think anyone could have predicted what was going to happen in the next two years. This was around March 2020. And I just loved the vision and mission of what Antler had tried to do in the last three, four years. And the way Antler is structured is is actually like a startup, right? Antler is not, uh, we are founders of Antler India rather than employees of Antler Global, right? That's how Antler is structured. It's a very federated setup. Uh, the partnership setup. So I figured that this was something where I could combine my founder life and my founder interest as well as do something completely new. I had never invested in my life before. 
So, and it was even in the Urban Ladder journey, I think I figured that I loved the 0 to 1. I loved the 1 to 10. Uh, around the 10 to 100 is when I start getting bold or I figured that there are better people to do it than me. And uh, that was what led me to do this because Antler literally is the first person or the first institution that a founder will interact with. So it feels like almost being a co-founder again for that founder rather than being an investor for the founder. And that's what really attracted me. Mm. Tell us some more about uh, Antler. I mean, you're new to India, but globally you've already made uh, several investments around the world in different startup hubs. Uh, give us a bit of a snapshot history of how it was started and maybe you can talk about sort of the philosophy at Antler. Sure. Antler's uh, mandate when it started, you know, this was started in 2017 uh, by someone who had run a $3 billion company with ex-McKinsey, ex-HBS. And these were uh, a set of Scandinavian folks who were very global. Uh, and if you see the ethos, it was to build something which was global. It was to build something which was entrepreneurial. It was to really build what would truly be the first global VC at a pace and an ambition that was phenomenal, but at the same time, something which was local by inherent nature. So Antler's model is Antler today is approximately 20 different countries. Every country is started off by either a founder or an investor or a combination of founder investor. For me, I'm the founder, Nitin is the investor. So Nitin and me pretty much started Antler India, where the third co-founder being Antler Global. Uh, and our role is to help founders who are just thinking of starting up. So Handler's core mission is to really help founders in their first 12 months of the founder journey and build a platform where literally someone thinking of starting up in this country and building a venture backed, venture backable uh, uh, company is thinking of Antler as their first partner, right? So that's Antler Global's mission and the local geography sort of enables that. The Antler Global platform does three things to help the local geographies. One, it provides the underlying technology platform where founders can interact with advisors, founders can interact with other founders. Today, there are 400 investments that Antler globally has done. In India, we have done approximately 20 because other geographies started a bit earlier than India. But the idea is that this technology platform gives us a lot of data on what happens across the globe as well as helps the founders interact with other founders. So that's the first thing. The second thing that Antler does is we have a team of, you know, around 200 people across the globe and a team of around 1000 people who are advisors and investors across Antler. And this gang is extremely, you know, uh, uh, you know, can open up doors in a Berlin or a Tokyo or a Seoul. So any founder in any geography who's building a company which is global by inherent nature can actually use this network of people to actually, you know, expand to those other geographies. And the third is capital. While each of the local geographies raise a local fund, which focuses on pre-seed and seed investing, first 12 months of the founder journey, there is also an Antler Global Fund, uh, a set of funds which just deploys capital in series ABC, which means that we can be a partner for the founder across stages from pre-seed, seed all the way to, uh, you know, series C and, you know, as as much as five, seven years into the founder journey, right? And that way Antler's mission is to be the first partner, be the first uh, platform, be the first person that a founder goes to to help build because there's so much ambiguity in the first 12 months. We as Antler help that founder, help find their co-founders, help them get their go-to-market and help them with capital to help them build that company in the first 12 months. Also work with them to raise money from a seed investor like a Sequoia or a Lightspeed or a Matrix or whoever else, their first seed investment. 
and be as a partner through the next three, five, seven years, all the way up to the founder, be building a unicorn or a big company. And that's really the purpose of Antler and do this globally uh, as the first global investor that can do this across 20, 25 different geographies. Mm. I mean, I know, I know it's a young com- young firm, even globally, I guess four, four odd years since it started, but any noteworthy startups that are already close to being unicorns are already unicorns? It's uh, probably a bit too early to mm-hmm. think of unicorns because the first investment I think from Antler happened only three years back. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, the, that vintage, a, a bulk of the 400 companies actually happened last year. I think the uh, the most uh, valuable company will probably be in the realm of around 150 to 200 million dollars in valuation. So that's the, I think that's from Singapore. Singapore and Australia were the first two geographies that got created. So that's probably the valuation of the most valued company. But we're already seeing a lot of companies going towards that 100 million valuation, crossing the 50 million dollar valuation. And a bulk of these companies have been invested in between one to two years, Mm. pretty much bang around COVID time. Mm. Give us some examples of uh, some interesting startups that you've invested in India. Sure. I think uh, today uh, we're touching 20 companies that we are invested in. We have, I think, announced 12 or 13 of those. Uh, for us at India and for across Antler, we don't focus on a specific sector. We are mm-hmm. very stage focused, which means that any founder whom we think has what it takes to build a great company is what we want to partner with. And we are largely sector agnostic. So we have, uh, you know, the first example of a company that, uh, you know, is into uh, professional coaching. It's called Peak Performer. And what uh, Aishwarya and Nilesh do at Peak Performer is to actually help companies, you know, whether that's a Series B or a Series C company. You have a very young leadership in a lot of these startups, right? How do you actually coach these young leaders to manage and be people managers for the first time and go through the ups and downs of what a startup journey is? There is not a very formal way in which people are trained to handle all this, right? So peak performance uh, mandate and peak performance vision is to build a platform which can involve some kind of people-people interaction, but really use the power of technology to bring in this very personalized coaching for leaders to take their companies up to the next level. So Big Performer, we invested in around October and uh, they've already raised their uh, next round and they're part of uh, Surge Sequoia uh, in the second round. Uh, So that's an example of a SaaS company. Uh, An example of a consumer company is these uh, 22-year-old founders uh, fresh out of college who during COVID found it extremely difficult to uh, get local food. So they pretty much launched a marketplace called the State Plate just to serve their own needs to get local Rajasthani food in Bangalore or Calcutta food in Bangalore. And then decided after six, seven months of doing it that there is a huge gap in building a brand uh, which can actually be that, right? Not just a marketplace that gets other brands, but really build a brand. So today they are actually building a, a, a D2C brand in Indian food and they are revolutionizing Indian food for the younger audiences in terms of bringing the best part of taste, a great product sourcing engine and something which is priced meaningfully so that, you know, you can actually start and, you know, all of us still love our own local food, right? And the idea is to sort of get it across the country and get it at a taste and a quality and a price which you will actually feel that, wow, this is a great brand. These are just two examples of one in SaaS and one B2C. I can go on, you know, about each of these companies. But really the idea when we start working with these founders is founders are super early. A lot of this is a concept level. And we work with these founders, work with them three, six months, provide them the capital, but also do far more than capital and help them draft that story and work with them on the vision and values of that company and even help them in their first two, three hires uh, and take them through that first six, 12 month journey. 
compared with uh, even maybe 5 years ago uh, and and also in the context of you know antler being in a position to help entrepreneurs uh, across the uh, levels of experience young people some of the young people that you mentioned but also maybe experienced second time third time entrepreneurs um, what is to your mind what are some of the biggest uh, changes in india today in terms of the kinds of startups and entrepreneurs that you are coming across i think uh, people are far more far younger when they start off today right mm. i think there's just that confidence to be a first time founder to actually you see you know antler at antler we launched something called the antler india fellowship in december mm. and we saw 2500 applications from potential college founders from across 600 different colleges right mm. and that's a phenomenal number of applications and that's something that we believe that in the next 10 years as there is lot more material as there's lot more confidence a lot of the really top campuses as well as you know uh, across different streams are going to encourage entrepreneurship at a scale unprecedented no longer is day zero job that's going to be the famous thing it's again it's i think going to be about who's actually taken the having the guts to start up right and that's not something that 10 years back uh, you know i remember in imb i don't think i even probably knew the spelling of the word entrepreneurship today it's a very common prevalent thing I think that's one huge change. Founders are younger. When you are younger, you have less dependencies. You can take more risk, and that's something that certainly helps. Two is I think founders are building from India for the world from day one. Earlier, what used to happen was they would launch in India first year, second year, then they would go global. Then they will realize that the market and the product is very different. They will re-engineer, re-architect the product. Today, founders are getting that confidence to go global from day one. We have a company uh, in our portfolio called Buki. what vistar is doing is to build a product for health uh, entrepreneurs in the us people who run gyms people who run you know boutique uh, you know fitness centers and from day one this product is first client has been global right and that's something which you would have not imagined even 5 6 years back that someone from day one is actually selling to a customer in the us entire product is completely focused on the us right uh, so that's the second trend that we are seeing a third trend and and somewhere there i would say what building from india for the world also means that there are certain specific spaces like vertical saas like web3 crypto things which are inherently global by nature from day one which founders are building towards and that's also starting to happen the third trend i would say is people are absolutely uh, comfortable in working with others virtually as well as working with people that they don't know already i think covid has sort of set that trend line uh, and for us when we launched what you know the antler india residency 3 days back that was certainly a trend line that we saw in the last 2 years right people are i mean people have co-founders now who's one is sitting in london and one is sitting in india and they have never met before in real life but they are extremely comfortable it also goes back to i think people being younger the younger folks are far more open about this than people who are in the 30s and 40s starting up where they prefer starting up with people that they know for a few years and i think that's the other trend line that we're seeing people are working with or becoming co-founders with people that they didn't have too much of a background as long as the combination makes for the right uh, you know makes for the right combination for the startup to really do well mm-hmm. yeah tell us a bit more about the residency i mean pretty interesting uh, i guess and and you've talked about uh, how it is the idea is to bring together people who could potentially you know come together and start startups uh, which otherwise they may not have done on their own and so on so 
See, Antler in India, you know, launched with what we call the zero to one, where you've already found your co-founder and you've just started building your product. Okay. Uh, pretty much all of our 1921st investments were in that realm, right? People already had their co-founders. People already had were clear of their ideas. They had just started building. Some of them had just launched. Many of them had not even launched. The more we worked there, the more we realized, as I said, you know, with all these trends that what we call one phase earlier, where someone has still not started up, someone has still not found their co-founder. There's a lot of action, but there's a lot of ambiguity. And that whole jump from employee to entrepreneur is such a difficult jump, right? It's, it's, it's a one-way jump, I can tell you. Uh, but that jump is very steep for a lot of people, right? Thankfully for us at Antler, globally, we actually, and we call that phase internally minus one to zero, right? Like how the early other phase is zero to one. The minus one to zero is where Antler globally has had a lot of experience doing stuff, right? We have a lot of data, a lot of trends, a lot of understanding of what really works. Now, of course, I can't, given India as a country is a far, bit more mature as startup ecosystem, as well as Indians, as Indians are slightly different in their social construct. We had to take the best of what has worked for us globally across the world for the last three years and engineer something very specific to India, which makes sure that it works in the Indian context, which is what we were working on in the last quarter, sort of do that in the background. Now that we were clear that we wanted to do something in the minus one to zero. So we launched three days back, uh, you know, a program called Antler India Residency. And there are three very specific, unique things about it, right? One. This is the first of its kind for people who are still working in a startup or people who are working, you know, across technology and business. And the way we have done this is to get a cohort of 60 people across core business and core tech. So not PhDs, not, you know, not the advanced tech. Like these are business tech folks and business could be marketing, could be sales, could be business development, could be operations, could be product. Getting 60 of them together. Okay, in a room, okay, and doing this in a way that this cohort will have extremely high quality. And when I say high quality, I, we anticipate we already gotten approximately 1000 applications. Over the course of these six weeks, we anticipate around 3000 to 4000 applications, but only 60 people are going to get in, right, which means that it's a very exclusive cohort of people. So it's a, it's a massive filter. So if you are in that room, and if you're one of those 60, I think you will find the other 59 to be super sharp like you. And that quality of a pool just does not exist in this country. The, the first point, also the extension to that is these are serious people who want to be startup founders. These are not people who are thinking of becoming a founder. Startup is something romantic because we expect people before they actually join the cohort on June 20th to have left their job or be in their notice period. A lot of other programs do where, you know, people can still continue to be in a job and the seriousness of those people when they're actually still in a job or are not uh, moving out is not something that's great. So these are 60 people who are, go who are becoming founders, have already become founders, are serious about it. So you are ready to start building in the next three months. And that's something that's also unique. So that's the first one. The second one is the way we do it, right, in those three months, right? So June 20th, the program starts. Applications close on May 31st. The idea between June 20th and September 20th is we have two phases, right? The first phase, you you can potentially engage with each of the 30 other people, right? If you're a business person looking for a tech person, a tech person looking for a business person, there are at least 30 other people. But in the first two weeks itself, out of the 30 people, by doing a lot of outdoor activity, we expect all the people to come to Bangalore for those two weeks, first two weeks. We're doing a lot of personality engagement as well as outdoor engagement so that people sort of connect at a level which is slightly higher order. 
you're going to be a, it's a 10 year journey right it's it's a 10 year journey and you're not going to sort of you know do that unless you understand whether you somewhere connect with the person even before you connect on the idea right so that's the first two weeks and after the first two weeks we expect that each person will maybe have approximately 5 to 10 people that they really want to engage with or like right because other 20 may not match personalities may not match interest styles whatever in the next 6 weeks of the first phase what we do is we engineer serendipity now how do we do that we get the business person to work on tech problems and understand how a tech person thinks we get the tech person to understand communication and feedback and work with the business person and also we put them into real projects for over you know uh, across 3 days so a single person can work with at least 5 to 6 different people on a variety of projects and see working styles because again in a 10 year engagement you want to make sure that each one is pulling their weight and each one has a working style match uh, and a vision match so the moment that happens after 6 weeks which is 8 weeks after day 1 you're left with maybe two or three people or four people that you would want to pair up with the next month you know between august 20th and september 20th is when we actually get them to do in depth consumer research on the space or the theme that the these founders have agreed upon and present us a plan a concept that we will actually invest and fund so that's sort of the second thing where we are doing this very differently in terms of the way we are engineering this whole process and that's something based on years of doing this at antler we're doing well the third one is a terms of this itself we give people a stipend uh, a lakh a month over those 3 months but more importantly the terms at the end of it where we do 270k for 9% of a 3 million dollar company right that's something that's blow away compared to anyone else in the market right i mean people who are doing 0 to 1 or minus 1 to 0 do not come near this in terms of terms and that's what we believe for the best founders we need to do to be able to actually get them to build and of course there's a phase 3 after we invest in some of these folks that we actually work with them to help them raise their seed round over the next 6 9 months but that's outside of that because that's something that we do for all companies that we invested so uh, so the phases 1 and 2 the cohort quality the way we do it and the terms the three ways where i would think of this as a as a complete blow away product that anyone who's thinking of starting up who's dabbling in ideas who's looking for a co-founder anyone who's remotely serious of doing this all in the next 3 6 months there is nothing better than what i think we have launched in atlan india residency globally you're doing this for the first time in india uh, globally uh, what's been the experience in terms of uh, you know success rates of actually people coming together and creating startups that have lasted yeah see the thing is globally antler has not done the zero to one as much pretty much all of the other 400 startups probably 90% of them are through this program the minus 1 to 0 in india we did the reverse we launched the zero to one first last year because we were bang in the middle of covid and we wanted to also use our networks and we said let's do zero to one and antler as i said it's very federated right every country decides its strategy based on that market and what the uh, country partners decide right along with the team in the country so we decided to do zero to one first now we are doing minus one to zero with a lot of moderations for india as a country which is why i said uh, all the 400 companies all the things that i said 100 200 million dollar valuations are all companies that got created with people who didn't know each other before the program hmm. so this thing about uh, early stage uh, startups in india uh, Uh, do you do you see that i mean you are very much an insider in the indian startup scene do you see that there is this sense of 
kind of always being in that struggle of the early stage startup and not you know getting to the point where you're a bit more sustainable going from that 1 to 10 and beyond uh, is there a sort of the other difficulties that are very sort of unique and specific to india i don't think there are unique there may be certain regulatory hurdles but i don't think there are anything that's so specific in fact india is i think one of the most mature ecosystems today in 10 years hmm. we raised the you know we ended up raising 100 million dollars in urban ladder but we ended up raising the first round was a million dollars and i think that lasted us a year year and a half hmm. but i think the you know the uh, today the amount of capital the amount of maturity the amount of platforms that exist is second to none in terms of the world so actually today there are far lesser challenges but i'll tell you where the foundational challenges still exist one you can't you can't pay your way to product market fit so people still don't have all of the especially if you're building a global product uh, especially if you're going after a new audience people you know sort of have to stay on for a while it doesn't overnight successes don't happen right even at the early stage so waiting for the product market fit and you can't pay your way to it as i said and doing things which are intelligent different i think that is still something that's new in this market i think it's happening right post geo the number of products that have been going after what let's say people call india 2 or bharat has been quite phenomenal i don't think anyone predicted what the products are going to be that will work or what those are right but you you're seeing a lot of trends of people doing that and that's i think important second uh, in terms of the other challenges would be talent it's a very the talent quality as well as the quantity has not increased in pace with the rest of the ecosystem right today you have 5x the number of vcs and 10x the amount of capital but talent has certainly not gone up 50x it's probably gone up 1 or 2x right mm-hmm. which is a huge problem which means that you're overpaying a lot especially in the tech technology side and that sort of put paid to a lot of startups doing stuff which is consistently good work because there's always a someone else who has raised more money who's trying to outpay you and get your engineers off right so i think that's a that's a phenomenal that's a huge problem which also needs to be and again there are startups that are trying to solve that with new age institute you know new age education and uh, not having to do your degree and stuff and the third one is i would say just more uh, sustained product efforts which require consumer behavior change right a new social product or a new let's say monetary you know financial product or a new health product i think just the sustained power of not having to make revenue uh, for a long time i know there are examples even in india of companies that are you know unicorns and decacorns without making enough money but i think that's sort of a new trend when that exists even in the us and that's that's fair and fine as long as there's a long term way in which you will you know uh, you will actually make money i think that maturity and that learning is happening in the ecosystem because there are lots of founders who are you know running successful multi billion dollar companies making enough money uh, you know which the private equity folks or the public markets uh, you know are part of i think the new age entrepreneurs probably need that bone a lot more uh because you know probably we are still too used to just raising a lot of venture capital money and postponing this whole push for real revenue and profitability to much later but i think that's changing uh and changing for the good because of public market pressure and you know you can't do that for too long in the public markets or if you have ipo as the and the number of ipos i think has also helped right people now want to list in india people want to show the profitability story so i think i would say overall outside of certain foundational challenges specifically on talent and having more staying power i think the ecosystem today is far more mature in a better state than 5 years back for sure mm. and uh, do you think uh, 
over a period of time with the logical extension of that maturity could be that eventually founders will also start incorporating in india I mean, you know as a country that matters as an economy that matters in the long run because otherwise you don't have that uh, you know knock on effect of the intellectual property staying in this economy and so on so what are your thoughts on that we actually actively encourage companies incorporating in india right and getting a startup registration because there are certain real benefits to that outside of very specific areas for example crypto the regulatory environment this here is so in flux that it makes sense to probably incorporate abroad companies which get 100% of their revenues from vertical saas or from the us i think it makes sense to incorporate abroad even if your talent base is here but outside of these two very specific areas we actually encourage companies and founders also are incorporating now this is also because at an early stage you don't want additional headache there is i think processes today are far more simplified there are more people who do it compared to 10 years back when we started herbal nidor this far more you know uh, regulatory clarity on certain basic things like fintech and commerce and all of that stuff uh, but having said that i think as companies move towards the later stage uh, they do actively you know look at flipping because specifically if they are getting uh, higher capital investors you know who ask for that right then companies do maybe in a series a or a series b look at shifting abroad and probably at that time the other thing that might happen is they also understand and realize as to whether this as a customer story is going to be an abroad customer story or an indian customer story right but outside of that i do not think it is and as i said we of course deal with very early stage companies so uh, maybe at a later stage uh, i might be completely off here but i think we do not see that being a big thing that people are so stressed on incorporating only abroad uh, outside of very specific two sectors that i mentioned mm. uh antler uh, any uh, experience in terms of uh, backing uh, deep tech uh, or hard engineering based startups we may have some experience globally in india we have not yet done much something that's in the deep tech territory to be honest right because uh, in the team also we do not have that expertise so we have sort of not either actively looked at deep tech but climate you know which some people put into deep tech alternate proteins and ev which some people put into deep tech are two areas that we do look at actively we do get a lot of founders who are building for those spaces but pure deep tech deep tech we actually haven't done uh, as part of antler india mm. if you were to kind of uh, put all these things together uh, and think about what are some of the things that make you feel really optimistic about the indian startup scene and and on the flip side what are the things that uh, worry you tell us about that pretty much everything makes me optimistic about the indian startup scene right because i think as i said right 10 years 12 years back the way we had to convince ourselves the way we had to convince talent the way we had to scrap around with vendors and money and investors uh compared to today where starting up becomes de facto joining a startup becomes de facto i think in 10 years we have come a super, really a long way right and if 10 years later if you look back on 2022 i think when you look at 2032 it's going to be a completely different story the number of unicorns or decacorns the number of people who are using products built by some of these startups i think that's going to and thankfully some of the you know not just capital but geo and a bunch of things have just made that whole thing one way number of ipos all of that stuff uh 
I think the regulatory environment, specifically on Web3 crypto, the regulatory environment, uh, certainly on that front can be much better. Infrastructure, you know, and these are things that everyone says. It's not like I have <laughs> any additional input here. But core infrastructure, uh, I would say, should continue being far better in terms of everything from basic internet speeds to 5G to, you know, uh, devices to power to some of these basic things which should not anymore. And of course, the roads and all of that stuff. More importantly, I think it's the foundational talent ecosystem. I think that's where a lot more work has to happen, right? In terms of, you know, if, for example, you said deep tech, you need a lot more core science people if you want to do deep tech. If you want to build social community products, you need a lot more human psychology and uh, foundational folks. You need a lot of design folks. You need a lot of engineers. I think these all need 10x solutions, not 1x, 2x. Uh, so I think the working on core talent is going to be a huge, you know, selling in the US, right? Can a lot of Indians actually sit here and sell in the US? Probably not today, right? So I think across functional specific, uh, you know, functional areas, across horizontal areas, I think there's a lot of foundational talent work that needs to be done. Outside of that, I actually feel don't intervene too much is a better idea because capital you know founders don't want too much intervention they just want smart founders smart entrepreneurs just want to be left alone and build uh, and i think the ecosystem will grow leaps and bounds on its own hmm. so you so you uh, let's talk a little bit more about your own experience you kind of surprised yourself by uh, becoming an investor something that you said you probably wouldn't do but uh, and of course, and you talked about why that happened. Uh, Antler was a unique case from your perspective. Uh, do you see yourself as an investor in a fairly long term? Uh, or do you still feel that tug of wanting to build something? I see myself always as a mix of uh, three things, right? A founder, creating products, creating legacy. Antler India, everything that we have done is a huge amount of creation. The first 18 months of Antler, it's been 18 months approximately for me, has felt no different from 18 months of Urban Ladder, right? Because we have created so much stuff, right? So I always see myself as a founder. I always see myself as a coach. I used to handle HR at Urban Ladder and that was the first time I actually handled so many people. In Urban Ladder, there were 1,200 people uh, so I see myself as a coach to people. Uh, now, just that the person might be a founder, the person might be developing careers, and I am super interested in developing careers of people, right? Uh, and I see myself today as an investor too, because if you extend coaching and if you really are betting on a person, you bet on that person with capital. And that's what an investor does, right? Uh, and an investor sort of engages with people, helps people with capital and a platform and really take off and build institutions because I always see myself as an institution creator at some level. So anything that I do, whether that's one life theory, one life theory, what I'm doing is trying to be a coach on the personal and professional side of people. That's what the one life theory podcast, the blog is about. Uh, my, you know, the creator founder part of, you know, one life as well as what I sit with founders here always continues. I'm the founder of Antler India. The investor part of Antler also makes sure that I help people create institutions I think till, you know, senility goes off or sets in, I think these three will always be there in some form or the other uh, across whatever I do. And if I look back at my career in the last 10 years, probably the investor part was not there, but the first two parts were there. And if I look back 10 years before that, uh, maybe the coach part was not there. So I've sort of always been a creator, 
in the last decade i became a creator plus a coach this year, decade i become a creator plus a coach plus an investor so that's how i look at three decades uh, of my career it's pretty interesting uh, way of structuring it so in in that uh, journey uh, tell us about uh, your worst low point and your biggest high point i'm sure there have been many lows and many highs but the the worst and the best Finally, there is, you know, if I look at every part of my career, there's been a super high and a super low. And if I look back now, without the super low, I would have never made the next shift. Okay. In Infosys, I, you know, I was like flying high and I was sent on site and I'm talking 20 years back. Okay. I, you know, uh, was, you know, sent on site, but the next project we got, you know, there was so much fluctuation on what, and then I did my MBA because I want to do an MBA. MBA I got the gold medal in my MBA but I had so many failures I've never you know gotten one or two grades that low or my summers I I had my own expectations on where I would land in summers but I landed somewhere else but absolutely no clips the point with all this and I can go on right yahoo same right I got the award from carol in uh, uh, cognizant I actually presented to francisco who was CEO then CEO right I actually wrote a blog and he actually asked me to come present to the entire leadership team but somewhere in enterprise i just sucked so bad at selling enterprise solutions in switzerland that i ran back to chennai ran back to india uh but without that i would have never jumped to yahoo because you know i was doing so well in cognizant yahoo i was doing so well i got the award from the ceo but the last project that i did just did not take off and uh, the business team never bought into it and without that failure i would have never jumped into abelada same with abelada i loved the first four years but the last 2 3 years i just didn't feel like i was contributing uh, well enough and then i made the shift to antler i'm sure in antler i learned something in one life theory i learned something but my point is i think personal professional every one of these phases of life has always had some success and some failure and uh, and i'm going to continue having it. i hope that it's a different failure that's all i can hope for not the same failure uh, but i think that's what makes those careers interesting i feel right and uh, that's my biggest learning Hmm. Tell us about uh, your earliest uh, influences. Uh, talk to us a little bit about where you're born, what your parents were doing, and from a sort of career slash work point of view, what are some of the biggest uh, memories of you know influences that you remember? I think very conservative uh, upbringing in a Tamil family uh, in Chennai. You know, going to school. being this very uh, you know silent introverted character that's what i was believe it or not today i might be on the other end of the spectrum largely but i think very uh, you know uh, very simple upbringing i had to thank my parents because i was a very largely happy go lucky used to watch a lot of tamil comedy used to play cricket watch a lot of cricket and uh, that was my is a very simple life right in the first uh, 15 16 years and uh, you know <laughs> that's all i remember right lower middle class family like any other you know, in most other uh, used to do the pump used to go on a scooter bajaj and that was pretty much my first 15 16 years of course the the thing with that you know the importance on education which is you know there's a lower middle class family you know especially if you are in a very conservative chennai household this is what happens uh my uh, uncle used to be my uh, a big influence my dad's brother he went to uh, uh i am amdabad he was in the same batches he was actually the ceo of uh, uh kevin care and he also was uh, he was sort of a very senior guy in procter and gamble and this whole i am uh, you know as a thing started from him he was also one day before my birthday so my mine was august 14th he is august 13th 
So a lot of similarities to just his personality and uh, uh, that whole ambition. I think computers, you know, I was a big fan of Bill Gates then, right? This is uh, when everyone used to hate Bill Gates for all the Microsoft uh, stuff that they used to do. But I was just a big fan of creating an operating system, Windows and just coding because I was a nerd. I think my later on, you know, I also started getting inspired by the obvious ones like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. And I still admire all of those folks. Uh, so the inspirations from very personal uh, to all of these big figures to even our own, you know, Indian ecosystem. I think what Sachin and Bini did was phenomenal, right? In terms of creating Flipkart, they were, I think, big inspirations in that. You know, when I when I talked to them just before starting Herbal Nidal, I think just enjoyed those two conversations on what two extremely young folks can actually do, right? The whole uh, thing of entrepreneurship. I've had inspirations uh, across my, you know, life, right? My co-founder at Herbal Nidal, Ashish. Uh, you know, sort of the way he took on these things. Even today, uh, my co-founder here at Antler, Nitin, I think the way I think some of these folks have uh, done stuff, they're all inspirations. That's why I'm working with them. Uh, my own team members and what they have gone on to do. And uh, uh, I would say between 2016 and 2020, I also added, spirit, you know, somewhere life and life learnings also into it. So certainly Nawal Ravikant became a big inspiration for me on just the way to look at life and a lot of one life theory uh, comes from a bunch of his principles. Uh, I think this list will keep on going. And I would say it's sort of as long as you have feet on ground, despite whatever you do, I think you're just looking for avenues and micro moments where everyone from, you know, the guy who's driving a Uber to someone who's working for you is going to be your inspiration. Okay. One last question before a quick uh, rapid fire section. Uh, you would probably agree that uh, the level of uncertainty in everyone's life has just completely changed over the last few years because of so many reasons, uh, everything from you know, conflict to climate change, you know, markets being volatile, we don't know what's going to happen to our savings in three years, Any, whatever, you name it. So what keeps you getting up every morning you know, to attack the next coming day? Exactly what you said, you can live life for a particular day, right? The only thing you need to, well, you have a quarterly planning thing in a company, so you have to probably plan out a quarter. But I actually feel life is lived uh, at best week to week. And uh, unless you're traveling somewhere and you need to plan for a visa or book a ticket, I don't think you should look at anything more than a week, right? And you divide a week into days and days into hours and all that you have visibility for uh, is just that week and that day. I try to get some level of balance going across different aspects of life. Uh, and when I say obviously there'll be days where given my role, given the number of things I do, I obviously have to put in far more time at work, uh, which is what I do in a regular week. But I think all of us have that 168 hours. I am very stoic, you know, in terms of just some of my foundational beliefs, right? I love the book uh, Ryan Halliday uh, has written on, uh, you know, stoicism. And I think all of us should first read the stoics we should also read bhagavad gita i think there's just a phenomenal set of learnings there i have not even crossed one third of it and there's just so much content there uh for me i think you can't beyond a point be so perturbed about what's happening around you you can in your own microwave create impact create impact in your own health first because that's where it all starts if your health is not good 
you're going to screw up mental and physical health. That's where the starting is. That's the core foundation. If that's not good, you better fix it before you try and create impact in the world. If that's fixed, then you fix people are, you know, you fix the stuff that, you know, interacting with people around you, right? Which is your relationship, your kid, all of that stuff. Because again, your health is great, but your relationships are screwed. You're not going to go create impact in the world. Let's be clear. You set that right, then you go create something meaningful, something which marries your ikigai, right? What you are good at, what you like, what the world needs and what you can make money off. Because money is critical, right? You're not, if you don't, if you have money challenges, you can't go create something great. But at the same time, you don't have to do it only for that, right? So then you fix your work and then you sort of with whatever is remaining, have fun and explore the world. And as you get more maturity and as you get into a better habit on the first three, you can spend more time at four. You can't prioritize four ahead of the first three. Uh, I think if every individual sort of gets this one right in terms of prioritization, uh, I do not see how they can't handle anything that's thrown at them, right? Because as I said, the foundation, then your people, then your work, then fun. In that order of priority, uh, Beyond a point, yeah, you can get perturbed and irritated. I like I have no notifications on. I see social media. I don't react. I don't troll. I don't. There's no point in having worthless debates on WhatsApp and Twitter and all of that stuff on all these topics. Of course, you should. You know, if there are topics that you know impact you, being vegan, you know, uh, feminism or you know any of this war, you should of course talk about it. Let people know. But beyond a point. You know, that can't just become your life because, you know, you're not, you're wasting your potential. You're wasting your potential in creating something which is meaningful. And if that's your life, that's great. If that's your work front, that's great. You're someone who's a reporter, you're a podcaster. You want to talk about the war, war and make people. That's great. But uh, there are other things that, you know, are also priorities. So the way I look at every single day is I wake up and, for example, exercise is something I hate. Uh, but if I get that thing, first thing right in the morning and I've, Literally, you know, I'm 43, so it's not like I have 30, 15 years of doing this right. I have just one month of doing this right. But that has improved my everyday and I'm far more productive when I start my day with exercise. So I think it's just foundational. You read a Naval Ravikant, you read the Bhagavad Gita, you read any of this. I think every literature has something very, very similar, which is just, uh, you know, I've had a divorce, you know, now I'm in a relationship. It's look back and say, yeah, that was the absolute right answer for the kid and for myself. So, as I said, I think failures, professional, personal, you know, and you can't be living in the past, right? Like there is no point. Something didn't work out. Something worked out. You learn, you move, go because nothing you can do, which you, you know, you're not going to invent a time machine. So I think living in the present, making sure that your next week is planned out well, you're doing justice to it. And when you review the week last week, you're largely happy, you're largely smiling, you're largely engaged, you're not taking on the world's pressures. Of course, you're going to have work uh, issues, you're going to have relationship issues, but you're just sort of moving on because life is too short. Uh, I just believe in, you know, I have zero people across my life and I know thousands of people. I have zero enmities, I have zero things that I don't talk to or because life is just too short and same at work, tomorrow I might fail, tomorrow I might have to do something else. I just literally live day to day and that's sort of, you know, whatever I said right now is sort of the belief of unlife theory also at some level. So it was uh, somewhere more from that framework of life. But, and I've gone through a lot of ups and downs, right? And I, I think I see a lot of people give gyan, people who have only seen successes. It's very difficult if you have not seen failures to actually give 
you know something that's meaningful for people to go through so i have had the highest highs and the lowest lows and i think and i'm going to continue probably having more of those so i think that's what makes it easier to build something like one life theory uh because i've done both ends of that and i think the purpose of all of this is to enjoy the highs temper the lows uh in terms of both frequency as well as depth and uh, but assume that life will continue having those highs and lows otherwise you are not living a passionate enough life fantastic uh okay uh, one quick question so sure. think of this as a rapid fire uh one habit first thing in the day that sets you up for the rest of the day the one habit that sets me up for the day actually is what i said which is uh, exercising so i go to cult fit either for yoga or for uh dance dance i make sure i stand in the last so the no one sees me but uh, uh i just have to get off uh, you know with some level of exercise that then sets the tone for the day okay uh one quick piece of advice that you did not probably get earlier on in your career hmm uh i think explore a variety of roles don't be too perturbed about the brand that you're working for as much as the people uh and the learnings that you're getting right i think even myself i was a bit more specific about the brands that i would work with instead of the people so i would say that's an important one to work for the people and get a variety of experiences across functions and across stages of companies and in the first 10 years you can afford to look at life as five into two like jump every two years unless it's some rare thing where you landed but it's okay to jump every two three years and learn a variety of things okay uh your favorite hack to get yourself out of a funk it's probably going to be watching some friends uh, episode i'm a massive crazy fan of friends or uh doni hitting that six in the 2011 world cup video youtube video of that or csk winning uh, some ipl uh or india winning some cricket match or some rahman or ilai raja music i i guess i've used all of these uh, in equal measures All right. Last question. One city that you would love to live in? What city? Yeah. I love Bangalore. I think that's the best place to live in in India. Uh and but outside of Bangalore it's probably I love these three four cities. Uh maybe highest would be New York living in Manhattan. I think it's a it's a it's an emotion, it's an experience. I think there's nothing to match that energy. Uh maybe second would be London. I love uh certain parts of, you know, London. Third might be San Francisco. because i'm a techie and just that that energy in the valley is very different fourth actually interestingly would be netherlands uh uh you know amsterdam i think uh, that's one city that was the last trip that i took uh, outside india uh, before covid happened and that i really liked okay excellent fantastic come to the end of our time a uh, wonderful conversation rajiv been really great thank you so much again for making time for this i definitely hope to keep the conversation going Thanks Hari thanks for having me and uh, absolutely great talking to you Okay that was Rajesh Srivatsa uh, co-founder of Urban Ladder and now uh, a partner and investor at Antler India a uh, wonderful conversation that's it for this week's uh, startup fridays uh, wherever you are i hope you're staying safe and doing well uh, have a wonderful friday and a great weekend ahead <laughs>